1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to cynthiahyatt.com. That's C I N T H I A H I E T T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm very glad that you're joining me today. And I want to make sure that if you did not listen to last week's show, I encourage you to do that. Uh, it This is a two-part series, and so this is, today we are going to be talking about forgiving others and just the art of forgiveness and how to do that. Last week, we talked about forgiving self and how difficult it is to forgive ourselves, And I really encourage you to uh, visit the website and make sure you get to listen to that show as well. Because a lot of what we talked about in that show is that as I learn to forgive myself, I am much better able to forgive others. And so if you're having a hard time forgiving other people, it may be because you are still holding on to unforgiveness of yourself. You may still be beating yourself up and continually being angry with yourself or resentful of yourself or doing the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then. That if I wouldn't have done that, then this would have worked out. Or just the lamenting of the past and... If you haven't forgiven yourself for many of these things, then you're going to continue to practice that habit. It is a habit, and it is a very bad and deadly habit. And we talked in the last show that one of the precursors or one of the, the uh, a great impetus of cancer is this issue of forgiveness. And Cancer Treatment Centers of America has part of its protocol, forgiveness, and so we understand what f- lack of forgiveness does to our body. It, it when we have a lack of forgiveness it, it increases anger and hatred and anxiety and upset which increases adrenaline and cortisol which is very hard on our bodies. And so we want to really make sure that as we are working on forgiving other people that we have worked on forgiving ourselves. It makes it so much easier to forgive others when I've forgiven myself. I don't withhold forgiveness as much of, with, uh, of others, and I don't struggle with it as much if I am feeling deeply, completely forgiven by God and that I have further extended it also with my own relationship with myself. And I gave the example in the last show. Imagine if, if your father, if your mother, your best friend, who, whoever it is that you harmed, your husband or a child, that That you really transgressed against someone, and they fully forgave you and and they were happy with the relationship with you and and they had completely forgotten it, put it, it in in the back, put it truly in the past, but you continue to bring it up and not forgive yourself. you continue to talk to them and say "Oh i still can 't believe I did that to you i still I, I still can 't believe you forgave me." And they keep wanting to say to you, why do you keep bringing this up? I've forgiven you. Well, this is what God is saying when he says in Isaiah, I, I put your sins as far as the east is from the west and, for, and, and remember them no more. He's saying, why do you keep talking about it with me? Why have you not forgiven you the way I have forgiven you so that we can both be free and move forward and let it truly be in the past? So it's imperative as you work on forgiving other people, that you have truly forgiven yourself. So as we talk about this, I, I like some of what Joyce Myers has said about this. She's you know a great writer. I'm sure you're very familiar with her. And she talks at length about the poison of unforgiveness. And when we truly look at the poison of unforgiveness, we real, we, like we, we just said, that people ruin their health and their lives by taking this poison, this bitterness, this resentment, this unforgiveness. And and the more that we refuse to forgive others, the more arrogant we become about ourselves. Because it, it truly refusing to forgive someone is saying that I am offended. I am above being treated that way. Now I'm not saying it's okay, whatever it is that they did. But there's a difference between being hurt, harmed by what somebody has done, and then truly having a resentment or an arrogance or a pride about how dare you do this to me. So what happens with, with unforgiveness of others is it turns into our own case that we are building against them and for ourselves. Now, Matthew eighteen twenty three through 35 tells us that if we don't forgive people, we get turned over to the torturers. Well, who are the torturers? Some of that is... is uh, being complicit or, or uh, connecting or agreeing with the enemy of our soul, the accuser of our soul. It's partnering with Satan and doing his job. That we are now accusing others and we end up accusing ourselves. So if you've had a problem in this area, I'm sure that you can bear witness to what I'm saying. It's torture to have hateful thoughts toward another person rolling around inside your head. I mean, it's a horrible feeling, To be lamenting and to be, you know, recreating and going over and over the story and the churning in the stomach and the heaviness in the heart and the preoccupation in our brain over what they've done. And so we do know, like we spoke in the last show, that you're actually helping yourself more than you are helping the other person. So I'm always looked at forgiving people who hurt me as, as being really hard. I, I thought it seemed so unfair for them to receive forgiveness when, when I got so hurt. Like, I'm still hurting from what they did, and they're just going off doing their, their, their life in a merry way. And, and they seem to have freedom, and they don't seem to have any pain for what they caused. Well, you have to remind yourself that, that we don't know what goes on inside someone's internal world. We don't know how much they're beating themselves up, just like others don't know how much we're beating ourselves up. So we kind of project onto them this idea that if I forgive them, they just go on their merry way and they're happy. And truly, if they are, God bless them, because they should be. They should be freed just as God wants to free me. So I'm helping the other person by releasing them to God so that God can do what God needs to do, because he is far better at piercing the heart of someone and creating repentance than I could ever be. And trying to get revenge, that just gets me more in, in, embroiled in, in the situation and keeps me more stuck and opens the door for the enemy to continue to foment all that that anger and anxiety and upset. Because we have to remind ourselves God is going to deal with them. Whether or not we continue to harbor unforgiveness, God still is going to deal with them. But we are getting in the way of God. We are making it a lot more difficult. If If you have children, I want you to think about, let's say... Your son is mean to your daughter, and your daughter comes and tells you, and you say, okay, thank you for sharing, and you start to deal with your son for it. Well, every time your daughter intervenes, Mom, didn't you tell them this? Didn't you say this? Why aren't they having to do this? Why didn't you ground them? Why didn't you whatever? And you are trying to continue to deal with the son, and you want to say to the daughter, I have it taken care of. Let it be. Go on and do your life. I'm taking care of it. I want you to forgive your brother and move on. I'm taking care of it. That's basically what God is saying to us. So if I'm talking to God about someone that's hurt me, God will tolerate it for a while. If it's me pouring my heart out to God about my hurts so that I can heal. But if I'm just continuing to tell on someone to God, at some point God is going to say to me, Cynthia, move on. Do your life. I'm taking care of it. You have enough for you to deal with. Let this go and move on. Now, there are some things that have occurred in my life that I couldn't just move on. It wasn't that easy. But one of the things that made it easier for me to, for me to move on from what that person did was for me to forgive them. And let God deal with it. See, Mark eleven twenty two through 26 clearly teaches us that unforgiveness hinders our faith from working. And it makes it difficult for the Father to forgive my sins if I don't forgive other people. Now, when I say difficult, I'm not saying that he can't or that he won't. But the process is very complicated because I complicate the sin by refusing to forgive someone. So, the, so I add sin to my life when I for, for, refuse to forgive. So the sin I need forgiveness from gets complicated by all the lack of forgiveness I have for others. So when I'm forgiving others, I am sowing mercy, and I will reap mercy. If I sow judgment, I will reap judgment. So do yourself a favor. I do myself a favor. I forgive. There are still, there are many benefits for forgiveness. My fellowship with God flows far more freely when I'm willing to forgive. It gets blocked by unforgiveness. And you can feel it in your heart when you try to pray, and you have unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. And forgiveness also keeps Satan from getting an advantage over me. Because when we have unforgiveness, when we harbor anger, bitterness, resentment, hurt, we also usher in fear, which causes all that paranoia and suspicion. And now we have trust issues of God and other people. And when that happens, the enemy can really chatter to us and can really take a foothold in our life. When that begins to happen, we also open up our lives for more resentment, hatred, bitterness, because we become less tolerant and less resilient, which makes us more defensive and more easily hurt. The more defensive and easily hurt we are, the more pain we are in, that ushers in in then self-medicating behaviors. So you can see why the enemy loves a lack of forgiveness. Because it causes the enemy to have strongholds and footholds and to torture us. So be quick to forgive. I also think it's hard to hate one person and love another. It's hard to treat anybody right when my heart isn't right. I start to think everybody might be wrong. And so even the people I want to love may be suffering from my bitterness, my resentment, my unforgiveness. Because as humans, we are not able to compartmentalize these things. I wish we could, but we're not. If I'm unforgiving and bitter towards someone else, it's going to come out in passive-aggressive ways or snide remarks, or my tolerance and resilience for the people I do love may not be as high, and I may have a shorter um, leash on them. So we're going to talk next segment about how to forgive, practical ways to actually do this. And we've certainly established the importance of it. I know you understand how important it is. But for your own mental health, this is truly God saying, do this and you will be well. Do this and you will have peace. God never asks us to do something that isn't really truly going to benefit us and help us and encourage us. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about how to forgive. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and make sure you check out those. I hear the whispers in my well, Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. So, we are talking today about forgiveness, and I want to encourage you, if you are just joining in, to make sure you visit the website at cynthiahyatt.com, and that's spelled C I N T H I A H I E T T.com, so that you can listen to this show in its entirety as well as last week's show, which we did on forgiving self and the difficulty and how hard it is and how imperative it is that we forgive ourselves. And as we talked in the first segment, we really began to understand that when I forgive myself, I forgive others better. And it's, more, it's easier. And, and that we want to remind ourselves there is never any excuse to not forgive someone. God doesn't let us off the hook. It, it doesn't matter how little, how big. It does not make any difference. We are to forgive. And I want to encourage you right now to think about this is not only people that you know and are close to. This is people that you don't know. These are people that you hear about on uh, the radio, on the news, that you read about. These these are friends of friends of friends that hurt your friend. These are anybody that you begin to have hard feelings toward, you need to forgive. We have hard feelings toward people we don't even know. Uh, We have politicians. We have um, people's bosses. We hear about whoever is out in the media. Um, We hear about teachers. We hear whoever that is. We may not even know them, but we may harbor hard feelings toward them. We need to forgive them. This is a spiritual exercise that in the spiritual realm, we are keeping it as clean as possible, that we are keeping freedom and grace and mercy flowing, knowing that God is very clear on sin and how detrimental sin is and he is managing it. He is like the parent who is saying to his kids, just go do your life. I see what's going on. You don't need to tattle on one another. You don't need to tell me what's happened. You need to come to me and talk about your heart and what's going on with you and how I am going to help you forgive the people in your life that have hurt you. Now, I can truly say to you, there have been many times in my life I have been very hurt and harmed by people. And I have had to forgive them. And sometimes it took me a really long time. Sometimes I was able to do it immediately. Sometimes it took me years of work with God, of layers and layers and layers of forgiveness. When someone, There, there are some people that have hurt me deeply, deeply, and deceived me. There are people that have harmed me. Financially, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and and physically. These people, it's hard to forgive, and we have to forgive. And I'm thankful that I have. I am much better for it. I am much freer for it, but it was not easy. So when I tell you this, I'm not saying it's just, well, you just decided you forgive and you move on. Forgiving, like we talked about last week, when it came to forgiving myself, it starts with a choice. And the more I choose to do it, the the better I learn how to do it, the faster I become at it. The more proficient I become, the more willing my heart is. It's like a muscle that the more I practice forgiveness, the better able it is to do it. So how do we forgive? So I'm hoping you want to be more successful at forgiving others. And so there's some practical steps that we take. And so This is the number one thing is choice. It's deciding. See, you'll never wait to forgive someone until you feel like it. I I wish that feeling came. It doesn't. It doesn't come. I have to choose and then God helps my feelings come into line. So I choose to obey God and I steadfastly resist the devil in his attempts to poison me with bitter thoughts and I make a quality decision to forgive and God will heal your wounded emotions in due time. And I like Matthew chapter six, um, verses twelve through fourteen. Just for your notes, if you want to look up that. And number two, I depend. I depend on God to help me do it. I say to God, I can't do this in my own strength. This hurt is too big for me to overcome. This goes too deep. This is too complicated and complex and pervasive. This one is too convoluted. This one is—it's too just—it's just not right. God, I can't forgive in my own strength. And so we humble ourselves and we cry out to God for help. And we ask the God to breathe Holy Spirit to help us forgive those who've hurt us. And number three, this whole choice and depending on God is, is an obedience issue. It may not come the first time. You may have to work on this for a year. You may have to work on this for a couple of years. And it may help if you are working with another friend A a counselor, a pastor, a mentor, someone who is walking you through this process that helps to give you courage to continue to move forward so you don't get stuck. And so we obey that the word tells us that we are to forgive, that we are to pray for our enemies and those who abuse us and misuse us. And we're to pray for their welfare. Because what we want to remind ourselves is that they still belong to God. So if God has a wayward child, it doesn't mean he loves them less. It means that child is harming his heart even as much as that person harmed us. And so when we pray for God, we empower more of God in their life to heal them so they hurt less people. So we ask God to give us revelation that helps, helps us to come out of our own judgments, to be free of our way of thinking. And to have more of a God way of thinking. And we pray for that person that they have awareness. If they are so inclined to have awareness as to how they hurt us. Or why they hurt us so that they could heal from it. They may never. They may never acknowledge the hurt or the harm. They may never see it. But we can pray for their wholeness. And we resist cursing them. So we need to be very careful about our language. So if we are talking to people about this person first of all we need to be careful who we're talking to because we don't want to cause other people to stumble we don't want to fall into gossip as well and so when we are talking about that person we want to make sure that we are talking about how we feel what we're struggling with about what they did not just talking about them so who should you forgive well that may seem obvious obviously everybody we have to forgive everyone but you want to forgive the person who badly hurt you a long time ago, as well as the stranger that stepped right in front of you in the grocery store line. So one is harder to forgive than the other, but they both need forgiveness. And we forgive quickly. The, the, the more quickly you forgive, the easier it is. And Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. This means Forgiveness means to excuse a fault and absolve them of payment, pardon, send them away, cancel the debt, and bestow, bestow favor unconditionally. So if I forgive someone, they are free and clear, just as God did for me. That means I don't have any expectation of payment or restitution, that I'm forgiving them and I'm asking God to restore whatever it is they stole, whether that be emotional, physical, financial, whatever that may be. That I'm asking God to restore. And Hebrews 10.30 says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Now I want to give you just a quick little idea. Think about if your child was being bullied by a bully on the street. And you gave them every way to deal with that bully. And that bully continued to overpower them. And that little boy, that little girl wanted to take vengeance on that bully. There comes a point where the father says, that one is mine. So many times God says to us, that one is mine. You give that person to me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about forgiving others. The in my Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. We are talking about forgiving others, the power of forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to last week's show, which is forgiving self or how we are to forgive ourself and the power of that, the gift of self-forgiveness and how imperative it is that if God has forgiven us, if God has forgiven others, then we are not only to just forgive others as God has forgiven them, but we are to forgive ourselves as God has forgiven us. And that's one of the ways that we bless God is that we forgive ourselves as well. So, what you want to think about when we are doing this whole forgiveness of others, and we, we talked about in the last segment that Hebrews 10.30 says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. That when we truly forgive someone, we are forgiving it all. We are not just emotionally forgiving. We are forgiving whatever it is that we think they owe, they owe us. And we are saying to God... vengeance is yours. This person belongs to you. You are going to contend with this person however you deem fit because you know that person and you know what's best for them and I need to trust God with that person. That God does not have a blind eye to what is going on in that person's life and that if there is any repayment that God will restore to me whatever that person has taken whether it be spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, financially, physically, that God will restore, that God has all. He has complete abundance. He doesn't need to get from that person to give to me. Now, that may be a part of the restoration process in that person's life, but it is up up to us to be truly free, that I'm going to cancel that debt completely with that person, that they are free to go do their life. And I'm not expecting them to come and fix any of it. And that makes me free to move forward. So forgiving God, wow, what does that mean? Well, I know that sounds sometimes kind of um, maybe blasphemous even to think that we would have to forgive God. Now, hear me when I say this. Our words of the English language is limited. We are talking relationally. My forgiving of God has nothing to do with the fact that he did something wrong. Of course, we know God is perfect. God does nothing wrong. But there are many times when I might feel angry. I might feel upset because I think God should have done something. And so my relationship with God has a resentment. That means that I have a resentment toward God. It doesn't mean that God necessarily did anything wrong. But sometimes I need to forgive God. And and I thank God <laughs> that he is so strong and so holy and so righteous and so kind and so merciful that he would even tolerate little old me, sinner Cynthia, having a negative feeling about him and, and being willing to work it out with me. That's how much he wants to be in relationship with me. That there are times in my life when God has, I felt like God let me down. I felt like... I was asking for something that that I thought was truly legitimate and very well, he was very well able to meet that need and chose to do it differently or chose not to do it at all. And that was a trust issue with me. I had to learn to trust God for who he is, not not always for what he does. That I needed to learn to trust his character and his heart toward me, even if it didn't seem to manifest in the world the way that I thought it should. I needed to stop making God prove himself to me. That truly, what more does he have to do? He proved himself on the cross for me. I can trust the one who died for me. And so it helps me to really forgive others when I'm keeping my slate clean with God, when I'm not holding resentments or upset or disappointments against God. And sometimes we hide that from ourselves because we, we feel like we can't feel that way toward God. But we're human, and humans are relational, and that's how humans feel. And God knows humans very well. He made them, and he's very happy with humans. He likes that he made humans. He's still working with humans. He wants to be with humans forever. That's amazing. That's amazing. He wants to be with humans for eternity. And he died in order to make that happen. So you just need to be honest with God. You need to say, I'm disappointed. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. It hurt my feelings that you let this happen with this person. Or it hurt my feelings that you're not doing something to this person. You just need to be candid with God. He knows what your heart feels anyways. He knows what you're thinking. Just tell him. And in that process, there will be tremendous healing. And many times that helps you to further forgive the person that God is working on. So we are coming up to the end of this segment. I want to encourage you to join me in the next segment. And again, if you're not able to, please uh, make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com as we complete the show with forgiving others, the gift of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, and the freedom of forgiveness. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and this is 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. So glad you joined me today. And I always want to remind you to visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T tcom If you are in need of a keynote speaker, uh, I do seminars and conferences, and I can tailor make um, any lecture to what your group needs. And I love doing that. So make sure you check out the website. It has uh, lots of things that you can look at, some of the standard um, lectures that I give, as well as if you want something specific for your group. So we left off in the last segment talking about this issue of forgiveness and the needing to forgive and the relationship aspect of that with God. And I like one of the things that Joyce Meyer says in, in her book, Do Yourself a Favor, Forgive, she really says that unforgiveness is a spiritual filthiness. And, you know, that's a powerful word, filthy. That's a powerful word. Well, we know that sin is filthy. But many times our unforgiveness is, is really based on the fact that somebody did something filthy to us. But what happens when we do not forgive what was done to us? We now take the unfilthiness of what they did and we bring it into our own heart And now our own heart is going to have filthiness. And so we want to really make sure that we are washing that with the blood of Christ, with the water of God's word, that we are saying, God, I want to be clean in your sight. And unforgiveness, even if it seems justified, even if a wrong was truly done to me, is still not okay. It's never justified in God's eyes because of what Christ did. So I want you to understand that forgiveness, it's this, this uh, popular, very single most popular poison that the enemy uses against God's people. And it's one that is so easy for us to do. It causes so many things in our life. And, and we have two commandments given to us by God that say we are not to do this. We have Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It says, as Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is likened unto it You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we've talked before on this show about what neighbor means. And uh, when Jesus came to the earth, That word neighbor took on a different connotation than it had in the Old Testament. Neighbor meant the entire world, which means that we need to love the world. That means everybody. That means the politicians that we are angry with. That means the countries that we despise for what they do to their people. So again, loving does not mean liking everything that someone or some entity does. Loving means I love them the way God loves them, and I forgive them so that God can move in them. And when we love our neighbor as ourself, it means that, like in the first show we did last week, if I forgive you, I need to also forgive me. And so John fifteen twelve, it says he commands us to love one another as he has loved us. Because love is the exact opposite of Unforgiveness. So we need to understand that when we are trying to love and wanting to love, if we have unforgiveness, we have nullified love. It's our responsibility to forgive others. God has given that to us. That's a charge that God has given us. That's what Jesus did. When we call, and when we call ourselves Christians, we should be known by our love, which means that Jesus forgave everyone as he died on the cross. Because unforgiveness shows that we don't really love Jesus. Now, I say that because I'm not a legalist. We, we are very complicated, complex human beings. When I struggle with unforgiveness, it doesn't mean I really don't love Jesus. It means I'm not loving Jesus the way he loves me and other people. And see, unforgiveness prevents God from really working that forgiveness out in me so that I actually feel forgiven. The more I forgive others, the better able I am to accept God's forgiveness, the better I am able to forgive myself. The better I forgive myself, the better I forgive others. The more forgiveness I walk in, the more I experience the love and peace of God. And so unforgiveness can block our prayers from being answered because our prayers become more self-centered. Our prayers become more emotionally based. Our prayers aren't as as grounded in in the the Holy Spirit, the truth, maybe the, the wisdom, the foresight that the Holy Spirit can give us. So unforgiveness blocks all kinds of things. And like we said before, it's filthiness to our soul and it gives Satan an advantage over us. And so unforgiveness is very powerful. It prevents us from being fruitful spiritually. I know you know that feeling. When you are free Wow, you can move so easily. When you are held down by the bondage of unforgiveness, it is like a weight, a burden that makes it very difficult to be authentic and to move around. It's very cumbersome. It's always getting in the way. And so there are so many blessings to forgiveness. But I want you to think about if there is specific forgiveness you have to do with couples, this is what I did. here. There's a particular exercise I want you to, to practice. And this may be difficult. Um, and so I want you to try this exercise first on very small issues before you try doing it on really deeper, bigger ones. And if you, if you struggle with that, I would really like you to see a therapist or a pastoral counselor, someone that can kind of walk you through this. So when you both agree that you're ready to discuss whatever that issue is, I want you to set a time and place to discuss it at hand. And I want you to cover only one item at a time. I don't want you to do the whole laundry list. Sometimes it helps if you do a laundry list for yourself that you're continuing to give to God. Because many times a lot of things on the list get washed clean and you don't have to talk about them. So you prepare yourself to be open and to be honest and to fully hear out the other person's side of the story. Which means that you need to really relax your body so that you don't interject. And you may need to put a notepad next to you so that you can make notes so that you don't have to interrupt, so that you can remember thoughts that you may want to say when they're done. So you take time to listen to the other side situation without interrupting. You turn off cell phones, TV, kids have to be in bed. You simply listen, and you really understand your partner's side of the story. As if you were just hearing it and you weren't a part of it. As if your friend was telling you a story. If a neighbor was telling you a story and you really seek to understand what was going on in their life, in their, what were they experiencing? What was happening to them? And you even ask clarifying questions. Now this takes effort. This is, this takes a very adult person. We have to really find the adult part of ourselves, and we seek to understand not just the facts, but the way the person was feeling, even if they are hurtful or insulting. We remind ourselves, we're an adult, we can handle this, it's uncomfortable, but it's just feelings. And many times as we work through situations, the feelings change. And so then we reflect back to this person, this is what I heard you say. Is this accurate? Did I understand it correctly? And when you finish with that, then you switch sides and you take your turn to share. Now once you both feel understood and heard, you request forgiveness. Now, this does not mean that you are necessarily saying, absolutely, you're 100% right, I was 100% wrong. What you're saying is you're sorry for the experience that they had because the experience isn't necessarily factual, but it is still very relevant to intimacy. So you're saying, I better understand why you got hurt. Now I get it. Now I get what was going on with you, and I am so sorry that happened. I understand now why what I did was hurtful to you. And that person may reflect back to you while they may say, wow, now I understand why you did what you did and you didn't mean to hurt me. And so you grant forgiveness to one another. If you can't, at that moment you say, you know what, I need to still think about this. I may still need to talk about this, but I am glad we shared this much. And this is one of the things about adults. We have to remind ourselves, we can suspend things. All right, we, we can really be working on an issue and still be friendly in the midst of it. We can do those complicated things. We're not little children that have to have something ironed out immediately on the spot. We have to do that that issue right then because we can't move on to the next moment without it, it being clarified. We can really do multiple things at one time. So this may include developing new ways of relating. This may be doing things like saying, you know, in the future, could you please you know, not say it to me in this way? Or when you want to talk to me, can you let me know ahead of time so I can prepare myself instead of just, you know, jumping in and starting to, to barrage me with a whole story and a bunch of words. And so if there was a true offense, then the offender needs to verbalize ways he or she can act differently. And that's imperative that we do this. Now, if we can hug, this is wonderful. And then we need to allow time to trust and for the healing to occur. And we need to be very gentle and kind with each other afterwards. And so forgiveness takes time. We need to be patient. So when we're trying to forgive someone else, maybe that we don't even know. We said earlier in, in, this, um, in this show and in the last show, If you can write down everything that person did, maybe you don't even interact with them anymore. Write down everything they did, every way that you felt, all the things that they should have done, would have done, could have done, ought to have done. And if they wouldn't have done this, then this would have happened. Whatever that is. And you write it down graphically, explicitly, raw emotions. Everything you feel. And then you read it aloud to yourself. Maybe look at yourself in the mirror. If you have a therapist, if you have a counselor, you may read it aloud to them. And you read it until all the emotion is out. Until you can truly bless them and forgive them. And you wait for the Holy Spirit to give you insight and understanding. And I want you to think about your actions and what resentments you are holding. And I want you to be careful to not blame this other person. But you simply can say... Because of these things, these are the feelings that I felt. That doesn't give me an excuse for doing what I did. And so as you do that, you begin to exercise that out of your heart. And it can be a very, very powerful exercise. Now, there are more. Um, there are ways that we can help families to do this. You can do this with children. Because I want you to be teaching children the gift and the power of forgiveness. By extending to your children forgiveness. Forgiveness without minimizing or rationalizing what they did. So Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 16, this is the Beatitudes, and I want to end with this. This is the Message Bible, and it says, When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge clouds, crowds, he climbed hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. I want you to think about that. We are following Jesus, and Jesus, part of the Beatitudes is the forgiveness of sin. So if we are apprenticing with Jesus, if we are wanting to be more like Jesus, if we are the committed, we need to climb to higher heights with him. And Jesus says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You are blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You are blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. This is the issue of forgiveness of self. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, full of care, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind, your heart put right then you can see God in the outside world. And you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight and discover who you really are and your place in God's family. God bless you. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and I will talk to you next week.